This podcast is brought to you by A Copy Match. A Copy Match is a boutique matchmaking service that helps exceptional singles find meaningful connections and relationships. To learn more about our matchmaking services, online dating makeovers and takeovers, or to enroll in an upcoming group coaching intensive, go to agopymatch.com. Welcome to Ask a Matchmaker. I'm your host, Matchmaker Maria. For over a decade, I have combined four generations of family matchmaking tradition with modern relationship psychology, behavioral science, and dating trends. With this unique expertise, each week I bring a guest on to talk about dating and relationships while answering your questions. You can ask a question by visiting askamatchmaker.com. This week's guest is Blanca Cobb. Blanca Cobb is an internationally recognized body language expert who's been featured on national television shows such as The Steve Harvey Show, Today's Show, Megyn Kelly Today, Dr. Oz, Dr. Drew, CNN, Face the Truth, Doctors, just to name a few, as well as a ton of publications like Cosmo, US Weekly, Elite Daily, Business Insider, L Daily Mail. If they're talking about body language and anything you're reading or watching, they might have Blanca Cobb on it is what I'm trying to tell you. When it comes to love, romance, and relationship, Blanca helps you find the right person to bring into your life. By understanding and using body language and detecting deception techniques, she teaches you to identify partners who really love, care, and respect you. Many times it isn't said, but seen that can create or destroy relationships. And one fun fact about Blanca, she created a national holiday, National Body Language Day, that is celebrated the first Friday of every October, and you better believe we're going to have to do something about that this year. Blanca, welcome to Ask a Matchmaker. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. I see you on TV all the time. You're always on CBS, I feel like. I am. And I feel like you're always commenting on... Well, obviously you're commenting on body language, but it's always like the current events. Like, are you a news junkie? Like, how are you participating in all this? That's a great question. And so what I do is I take current events or pop culture, what's happening, and I talk about it from a body language perspective or a detecting deception perspective. And then I make it really valuable to viewers because how can you use the information that I'm sharing? If I'm analyzing a case or analyzing what's going on, What gems can you take from what I'm talking about? And you can apply it in your own life. I will admit, I thought about you a lot exactly a year ago when the former administration would be having a press briefing about the novel Corona virus talk, you know, speaking about COVID-19 and trying information out there. You had Dr. Fauci behind the president and just his body language. And I was like, oh, somebody's lying here. Somebody's lying here. I've taken one of Blanca Cobb's courses. I know what I'm talking about. So, uh, so yeah, speak a little bit more to that. Like, do you sometimes, even when you're not preparing for an interview, do you find yourself yelling at the TV? Oh, absolutely. I do get impassioned by it, particularly when I feel that someone isn't leveling, isn't being honest and can be very misleading for the people who are watching, who have trust in somebody. Absolutely. How did you get into body language? That's a great question. A little bit of a loaded question. So I got to take you back into my past Mm -hmm. to bring you to where we are now. So when I was a little girl, I was abused and um, I didn't know who I could trust. And I spent a lot of my childhood scared. But what I learned quickly on is if I paid attention to movements and reactions, then I could figure out when the next beating was coming for the most part. I'd had no idea what I was doing as a little girl. And, um, and 
just living through that trauma, I had no idea that it would take me to where I am today to have a successful career as a body language expert. And you were trained by Janine Driver, correct? Yeah, I was. Tell, tell the audience a little bit more about Janine. Janine is fabulous. She worked in the DEA, I want to say for about 15 years, more or less, and just working with people who weren't doing the right thing with criminals, she learned how to decipher body language and figure out when somebody's lying. And that's how I started my training is with her and at the Body Language Institute. So she's absolutely fabulous and a wealth of information. The Body Language Institute. I mean, you're just kind of reminding me of that show. What is that show that people talk about? Oh, what is the name of it? You know it. Lie to me by chance. Lie to me. Which season one is great television. Season two, I was just like, oh, there's too much drama in this person's life. But, um, but I really liked in season one, I felt it's funny. I, I got to work with you and Janine before mm-hmm. watching the show lie to me. Mm-hmm. So I felt like, oh, is this what they do all day? But I, I assume it's not, I assume it, it's not, it's not. the show is great, but you have to keep this in mind. It's about ratings. So they're going right. to exaggerate things and make some sure. points, but it is based on the work of Dr. Paul Ekman, who mm-hmm. is one of the pioneers in facial expressions and really um, micro expressions. Those are involuntary expressions you make when you're trying to hide how you're really feeling. And those micro expressions occur within like one fifteenth of a second. So really, really fast. What is it like being your kid? You have children. <laughs> I'm just wondering, I like, do. can they lie to their kids. mom? Um, they're kids. Kids are kids are kids. <laughs> I mean, come on. And you bring up a really good question because everybody lies at some point in their life. You know, mm. if you think about the societal lies, even though they're great lies, right? I mean, you, you think about it, Santa Claus and the Easter bunny and the tooth fairy. So not all lies are bad, but at some point people do deceive other people. It doesn't mean it's for nefarious reason. It could be, do you really need to tell your mother that you hate her meatloaf? I mean, what's that really going to do for the relationship, right? So you have to think about the bigger picture. And, and some of the reasons that people lie is because they want to protect somebody else. They want to protect somebody's feelings. They don't want right. to get called out. They don't want to be embarrassed. They don't want to have problems. I mean, there's a really big list as to why people lie, but not all lies are bad. So one of the things that I encounter a lot is, you know, from the questions that we receive is a lot is it usually revolves around deception. And sometimes that deception is a form of gaslighting. Sometimes it's ghosting. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes it's, you know, how can, you know, he's an avoidant personality. And I feel like he's telling me he wants a relationship when really he's just stringing me along. And the question that I get with this context is how can I uncover if someone is lying to me or being deceptive towards me so I can protect myself in dating? Do you ever get these questions? All the time. It's very, very common question. Okay. There is a difference between what somebody says versus what they do, what somebody says versus what they show. So the example that you gave, it seems like he wants a relationship, but he's stringing me along. Believe the stringing me along part. Don't believe what he says that he wants to spend time with you. There's action. People have to follow through on what they're saying, or if they follow through, you have to make sure that they're really into it. It's one thing to be with somebody when they're half-heartedly in the, in the uh, relationship where they barely call or they wait hours before they respond. Okay. That tells you one thing versus somebody who is, who follows up, who wants to spend time with you, who asks you to, to, to go out. Those are different. So when there's a discrepancy versus what somebody shows versus what they say, people are always going to believe the body language always. And how about like, how is that affected when people are more home now and they're unable to see someone physically? 
Oh, they listen to voice. I mean, you can listen to somebody's voice and then you listen to the content. You're listening to the meat of what they're telling you. So in my world of detecting deceptions, what we call statement analysis, this is where you listen to what somebody says and you ask yourself, does it make sense? What are they telling me? What are they not telling me? What is it that they're hiding? Hmm. Are they using pauses? Pauses, I need to clarify. Pauses can mean somebody is thinking, but they can also pause and they can skip over a time frame. You ask somebody what they did and they start talking about what they did in the morning, but then they don't bring the con and then they jump directly to the evening. Then what are they missing? They're missing the afternoon. Mm -hmm. And then you have to question yourself. Okay. What is it that they don't want me to know about the afternoon? Did something happen? But here's the deal. So many people want to know how to figure out when somebody's lying, but what happens is people make automatic assumptions and you cannot do that. There can be a variety of reasons why somebody may not be completely forthright, forthright with you. Maybe mm -hmm. they're holding back, maybe because it's something they don't want to talk about. It triggers a memory of something else, but it's automatic assumptions that somebody's lying. You could potentially ruin an otherwise healthy relationship. I totally agree with you in terms of, I mean, I think what you're, you're describing is also just like normalizing certain expectations of, mm -hmm. you know, relationship growth, I suppose, or the, the cycle of dating. You know, a, a question I received today, um, in fact, I want to read it to you. It was so interesting yeah. because I've gotten a lot of, not pushback, but a lot more like, can you clarify this question? Guy invited me to apartment after second date and then got defensive when asked what he's looking for. And my immediate reaction and this is how I responded was, why are you asking him on a second date what he is looking for? You just met him and you're at his place. What are you looking for? Do you even know him well enough to pursue a relationship to be asking for this answer to that question? And what's funny is I received at least 10 responses to that saying, okay, well, when do you ask someone what they're looking for? And I would love to see hear your viewpoint on this, but I'll tell you my viewpoint. I don't think the first or second date is the place to ask, I don't know about the second day, it depends on how where the second day is going, but not at someone's house, but certainly not the first date or even pre-first date to ask someone, what are you looking for? Like I know some people on online dating apps, if it's not stated, like maybe on his hinge or Bumble profile, it doesn't say, you know, what he's looking for. If mm -hmm. it doesn't say just casual, if it says anything like open or serious relationship or just doesn't have it, don't ask in the first two dates because that doesn't mean anything without the context of dating, right? He could say to you on the app, I am looking for a serious relationship, but he could meet you and decide, well, okay, I'm not looking for a serious relationship with you. And I think sometimes like, okay, second date, you're at his house. I get that you're vibing. That's really quick to be over someone's house during a pandemic, but we're just going to skip mm -hmm. over that for a minute. Why are you asking him what he's looking for? He's invited you up. So to me, it's like, why are you trying to push your relationship? Like, see if you get to the third date right now, determine if you actually like them, because I think that is what scares me the most. Sometimes when I receive these questions on, on Wednesdays is mm -hmm. like, what are we, what are we, what are we, or where is this going? Where is this going? Where is this going? And it's like, well, should it be going anywhere? Should you be anything? Because if you're so focused on the title and where it's going, you might miss out on all the actions and the, like, is this right. person even a good person to be around? I just Absolutely. monologue. I'm so sorry, Blanca. No, you I go. think it's a great, <laughs> a great point that you bring up, but I do believe a lot of times is people feel like they don't want to waste time. Yeah. So if I just find out immediately, do you want to be friends? Are you looking for something else? Then they know how to proceed forward. Although the receiving end of that can be like, whoa, this is too much. And it can make somebody pull back who otherwise maybe wouldn't pull back. I just think about 
if I asked my husband on the first date, what are you looking for? He'd be, he would not know. He would either just like not respond. A place to eat. I'm looking for a place for us to eat dinner. Yeah. Like essentially he's like, uh, do you want to go out again? Like, I don't think there'd be an answer for him. And especially, you know, if a man has been single for a long time, they're also tearing, you know, I like to give sometimes men the benefit of the doubt when it comes to emotions, like they're also nervous and they don't want to say the wrong thing or they don't want to come off as desperate. Like, you know, there could be a guy who wants a relationship and he's like, he's invited you over for a second date to like, you know, romance you or whatever. Mm -hmm. And he might want a relationship. But if you ask like, what are you looking for? Well, what is he going to say? I'm looking to get married, you know, in the next year is going to, you know. Oh my God. That's a really good point you bring up because it could make somebody say something that they don't mean, AKA a lie. Right. Cause they haven't decided yet. However, is there they a feel way like, to like, yeah, go ahead. But they kind of feel like if I don't say something that kind of hooks them, then I could leave them. I mean, they could leave me and we can't even pursue this. So I'm not saying that you're making them lie. I'm saying it puts some people in a position where they feel like they have no other choice, but to say something that may not be necessarily true because they haven't made the decision. There's not enough information yet to make that decision. Does that make sense? It makes sense for me, but it's funny because I get other questions from women as well. Mm-hmm. sometimes it's men who are like oh this person messages me too much or um they won't stop texting me and i feel smothered and i'm like okay you know like it's just it's a it's a delicate balance it is and people have different perceptions of what a relationship means to them or what they're looking for and people make automatic assumptions mm-hmm. if i want x y and z then they must want x y and z which may not necessarily be the case that's why we have those five love languages, right? That Dr. Gary Chapman came up with. Right. So if someone has been deceived in the past, I know you just spoke about your own trauma and thank you mm-hmm. for that. How can someone, you know, trust again? That is a fabulous question. And the answer is they don't trust themselves. And people, huh. when I say that people exactly, you're a sponsor, like, wait, what? What did you just say? I'm not the one who betrayed me. They betrayed me. And you're telling me I don't trust myself. This is what I'm saying. It's that you couldn't protect yourself the first time. You get scared to lay your heart out on the line again because you're afraid you're not going to be able to see those signs. So that is where you really need to learn what are some possible lying signs. What are some cues that someone isn't leveling with you, that they're being deceitful? That makes you more informed and understanding people, but it gives you a safe way of putting your heart out there again when you know some lying signs, that's what's really important. And then when you start catching people, then you're gonna have more confidence Hmm. and then you're gonna start trusting more. Can you give me an example of lying signs or lie signs? Yeah, like, well, lying or lies. Okay, lies, okay. Yeah, Mm -hmm. like people are just not leveling with you. There are a lot of different ones. And one of the biggest one is, it starts with somebody's baseline behavior. So baseline behavior is, how someone typically presents themselves, how they talk, what is their interaction style and situations that are non-threatening and situations where there's no reason for them to lie. And then you get a sense, you know, they are fast talker, a slow talker. When you ask them questions, do they look up? Do they look at you? What is it they do? Do they use their hands when they're talking? Do they fidget? So when you get a sense of what their typical behavior is, when you see a change in their behavior, that's your aha moment. That's like, okay, something just happened. But again, you have to be careful and not make automatic assumptions. Just ask questions. So baselining somebody is super important. But then if you want to get more into the nitty gritty, 
of what somebody says, well, an example I use all the time is personal pronouns. So we use a personal pronoun I because we accept responsibility to something that we have done. We're making a commitment. For example, I woke up at five o'clock this morning, then I went to the gym and then I had breakfast and got ready and then I went to work. So what are you hearing there? You're hearing a lot of eyes. Very different when somebody says, got up at five, took a shower, had breakfast, went to work. Sounds reasonable, but they're missing a critical part. There's no personal pronoun I to accept that responsibility that actually says they did something. So the big, one of the big clues in figuring out if someone's lying to you, lying to you is that you have to listen to what they say, believe what they say, not your interpretation of what they say. So in other words, if they're not using the personal pronoun I, you just can't assume that they're doing it. I'm literally rethinking conversations that I have now. Mm, that is interesting. Well, it stumps people because people will be like, wait a second, text messaging, text messaging. I don't use a personal pronoun I. That's fine. That's fine. So these are hints. These are tools. They're not going to work in every such a situation. Text mm -hmm. messaging is quick. Be there in five minutes. Got it. Okay. That doesn't yeah. mean it's a lie. So you have to put things in context. Does right. it make sense? Does it not make sense? I have noticed um, sometimes the deception can be right there and we don't believe it. And then we blame the other person. And I'll give you a good example. This happened yesterday. Somebody DM'd me about mm -hmm. how she's gone on three or four dates with a guy and he told her, you know, I just don't, I just don't see you like, you know, like having a long-term relationship with you. I don't think I'm in, I think something like, I don't think I'm in the space right now for a relationship, but I'd like to remain friends. And she wrote back, you know, what does this mean? And I, was, and I said to her, like, it means you stop talking to him. And she's like, well, he was a great guy. I think I'd like to be his friend. I go, no, no, he wants to sleep with you. Mm -hmm. Like he doesn't want a relationship with you. I need you to believe him That's because exactly right. that happens. I mean, I remember saying this to some of my girlfriends, like the guy that I went on a date with, I think like six months before I met my husband. We went on a really great first date, but he said to me, I don't think, um, I think you're looking for something serious and I'm just not in the headspace. And I'm like, okay, bye. And he was like, wait, I want a second date. And I go, yeah, I don't <laughs> because you just told me you're not, you know, you told me on your own without me even asking, um, you made an assumption and yeah, I, I am ready for my last relationship to be the relationship. You're right. And you're not there, which means you're not there with me. If I, if I go on a second date, I'm going to confuse myself thinking, oh, if he just gets to know me a little bit better, he's going to see how lovely I am. And then he will be ready. And that's never happened. That's never happened. That's only happened in movies. <laughs> exactly. And you, you know, and then what happens if I had not done that, I've done it in the past. It's happened to me in the past where it's like, okay, you know, I'll just keep dating you because you want to go on dates, but you don't want, well, you fall in love. One party does at least. And then the other party's like, what are you doing? I told you from the beginning, I didn't want a relationship. And now, you know, naturally some people will be like, oh, you, you lied to me. No, they didn't. <laughs> they told you, you from listening. the beginning, you know, right. and if you they're not, listening. and if they're not telling you from the beginning, Hey, this is, these are my, this is what I'm looking for. And I'm not saying first or second date, but like a month in, if they're not telling you, Hey, I want to pursue something with you. That tells you what you need to know. That's my take on this. If people want to disagree, that's fine. But this is just, I don't know. This is my own personal and professional experience. That's really echoing what I'm saying. So you believe what they're telling you, not your spin on it. Not oh, I just feel so validated right now by what you're mm -hmm. saying. So I absolutely love that. 
So what are the most popular questions that you receive as a body language expert from people? How do I know somebody's lying? How do I read somebody's body language? How do I know that he's into me? How do I know that she's into me? People really want to get the inside view of what somebody else is thinking or feeling. No one wants to be betrayed. Nobody wants to be rejected. Nobody wants to get hurt. I've never had a client that says, yep, my next partner is going to cheat on me. No one has done that. No one is like, that's not something you aspire to. So people always want the inside view of what's happening because they want to read somebody else better. But this is the clencher. If you notice all the questions that I gave as example, it's always about the other person, right. not about themselves. And when it comes to communication and relationships, there are two people who are involved. So what that right. means is whatever vibes you're dishing, somebody else is picking them up and they're sending them right back. So your nonverbal communication is equally as important as theirs. So you have to reflect on your own and then reflect on your partners. You just mentioned two questions that you receive that I'd love to know, but like, you know, is there a difference? You, you mentioned, you know, a man will ask you, how do I know if she's into me? Or a woman will ask how, you know, how do I know if he's into me? Or maybe it's a man asking this or a woman asking this, you know, like maybe, you know, we want to cover all, you know, we want to be really inclusive here. Are the answers different between the genders? Do, do men and women show that they're into someone differently? And also does that change by sexual preference too? It's a great question. So what the answer is, is there indicators for men and women, but it doesn't mean it can't cross, for example, and some of them are physiological. So for men, when men are really attracted to a woman, what will happen is their voice will actually drop an octave. It gets deeper. Well, most women, that doesn't happen to them. So there you have a gender difference, right? What men tend to do also is they get a little territorial. So what that means in pre-COVID times as what I'm talking about, when you're at a restaurant, what they'll do is they'll put their arm around the back of the woman's chair, or mm -hmm. they'll put their foot in the railing of the chair because it's, what is it doing? It's showing everybody, hey, she's with me, so back off. It, these are all silent messages. Another thing that men will do is they'll test the waters to see how receptive a woman is to different types of conversation. Sexual innuendo, for example. Is she playful back? Does she laugh? Does she give a look of disgust and roll her eyes? Because when you test the waters, then you wanna know how far you can go. So that is something that men will do. Women tend to get very flirty in a way facially. So they'll, they might look down, the chin might go down and the eyes go up. They might tilt their head and smile. Sometimes they get very playful and they'll do their own sexual innuendo too. And they might draw attention to their mouth as they're talking. Someone, some women will actually play with their hair, but playing with their hair can mean two different things. So normally if someone is preening the front of their hair, it's more nervousness than if they're taking the back of their hair and let's say they're twirling it, for example. This, huh. tends, this tends to be more attractive. You know, I'm attracted to somebody. Notice what I'm doing with my wrist. I'm showing my wrist. Wrist is a very vulnerable part of the body. So when a woman flips her wrist and shows her wrist, that's showing a level of comfort when you're exposing a vulnerable part of your body. And all of this is, is, is done subconsciously. People are not going, okay, so I want to let this guy know how I feel about him. So what kind of body language moves can I do? <laughs> um, that's, that's great. I did not know that. That is incredible. 
I always knew, I remember when I was single, I would wear, um, now this is pre Apple watch. I know everyone's got an Apple watch, but I had this like really dark red, like a playful red swatch, mm-hmm. like watch, you know? Yeah. And I knew a guy was into me if I were out and about, if he commented on the watch, because it was like a really bright thing to wear. And I just noticed that if a guy commented on my watch, it was like the dumbest thing. I was like, oh yeah, he's definitely buying me a drink now. <laughs> Did and it have me, it? I, I, I have it. I have it in my jewelry box. But, um, did it happen though? Oh, did they say, can I have it? No, they'd be like, oh, I love your watch. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) I don't talk like that to anyone. Yeah. Um, also showing a level of detail, right? They're really observing. Yeah. And yeah, I thought that was, I just thought that was really interesting. Um, like it was just so easy to pick up men, I guess. I don't know. Another thing, another time that I thought about you was recently, with the uh, Oprah, Megan, Harry interview. So let's talk about that. Sure. I want to preface this by saying that I am team Megan. I'm also team Kate, right? I don't, we don't need to put women up against each other. We have enough, sure. whatever, mm-hmm. but I really like both couples. Um, but I'm, I'm, I stand Megan and Harry a lot. But what um, were your observations that maybe I could talk about? Yeah. So like, for instance, when she said, I didn't really google the royal family yeah you just made a face where you're like you know but then you know to be honest i i have googled the royal family pre-crown pre the show the crown Mm -hmm. and nothing would have prepared me for what i saw as an american as a greek american but as an american on the crown like i think maybe if you're british you might understand this like sense of duty and what the crown represents Whereas mm-hmm. in America, you're sold this Disney fairy tale of like what right. it means to be a queen and a princess, right? You know, like I think most Americans' understanding of queen is the, the you know, uh, what's that one with the makeover with Anne Hathaway? Um, oh, goodness. The princess something. The princess, oh, the princess diaries. Or you think, oh, yeah, the queen is Mary Poppins. And like, you just kind of... <laughs> You just kind of go forward with that. And you're like, okay, you know, you just make some decisions and you grow up royalty, but then you watch the crown and you're like, oh God, you are all about order and all about a sense of duty and we don't do anything different. And then mm-hmm. add on to that, you know, um, that movie with uh, the queen, the movie, the queen, where how did the royal family respond after princess Diana's death? And again, it's like, mm-hmm. you know, we have to follow these rules and this, and it's a lot. And I don't, I don't think if you, you like, I'm just wondering if I had dated Prince Harry, not that, not that that option's ever been available to me remotely. <laughs> I did. Would uh-huh. have I Googled the Royal family or would I have been like, I'm dating the guy. Can't he just tell me like how much more could I Google that I wouldn't know. And then, so as she started to talk more about what it's like to be a Royal that the firm, I had never heard these words before the institute. Right, you too, right? I have not. So to hear that the institution, the firm, to hear these things in that format, I was like, wait. Even if she Googled, there's no way these words would have come up. I agree, but there's a difference in Googling to get general information to get a sense of somebody, right? right. Of who they are, what they're interested, in, where they work. Are, are they who they say they are? I'm not questioning Prince Harry by any means. I'm just talking about now people in general, when you Google right. a potential partner, someone that you're interested in oh, yeah, versus yeah. 
Googling to get insider information. So there's a difference there. So I do believe when she says that she didn't, or maybe this is my spin on it, that she didn't Google in order to find out how to become a royal, but to actually learn more about him and who he is or about the royal family, I think it's a very natural thing to do when you're interested in someone. I also did not know, I've thought that, oh, Prince Harry goes to see his grandma. They're not curtsying. They're not, I honestly thought like that was shocking to me when she started talking about how she had to learn how to curtsy. I was like, why? Mm -hmm. You're, you're going to go see grandmama, you know, they're like, oh no, no, she's still the queen. I go, that still happens behind closed doors. That's exhausting. Like, had I known that don't don't even get engaged, just move on, honey. Right. Pull off a Chelsea Davy and move on, you know? And do you know, do you know who that is? That's like no, a I girlfriend don't. who was like, F you, nope, not doing this. And uh, yeah, so that, that was, uh, I don't know. I just, I can see the parts where I was like, oh, this is so cringe. But all the other parts mm. where I was like, yeah, this makes sense. There, there was, there was a lot to, to that interview. Some jaw droppers, right. Talking about the color of their child's skin and talking about her suicidal ideation. Mm. And a lot of people ask me, well, what about their hesitations? They were very because people automatically make the assumption that someone's lying. You know, you have to think about what you're going to say. Yes, but that doesn't mean somebody's lying. It really could be that they're trying to figure out a way to word it where it's not incriminating to other people. Or maybe there's some reason they don't want to tell the whole story. And they're trying to figure out how much to share. And that's okay. I mean, that's everyone's choice. I found it so interesting that there were certain things that they were being protective of, but the big jaw droppers, they were, they weren't even noticeable to them. Like it was like the next sentence, like when he mentioned very briefly in the middle of two sentences, and I haven't spoken to my dad since, and they just kept going. I'm like, whoa, 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 we got to talk about that. What do you mean you haven't spoken to your dad since? Right. You haven't spoken to your dad throughout the entire pandemic. The man had COVID. <laughs> what? <laughs> yes. You know, um, so that I felt that I found that like, I, there were just, I guess, as a couple, and this is where I would love to see your input. As a couple, they seemed really strong. They are strong. I do believe that they rely on each other a lot. I've been following Megan and Harry for different worldwide publications for years now, ever since they started dating. And they've always been a solid couple. In my opinion, they really come across as a couple who are happy with each other, find strength within each other. They ground each other and they do feel like it's them against the world. And they were dropping some of their insight into that during that interview with Oprah. They have each other. If you listen to how Harry was talking, he's like, I have a, I have a wife, I have a baby, I have another baby on the way. Our two dogs are happy. So he's in his nirvana. That's what's important to him. And you, when you listen to people talk, When they repeat something more than once, it gives a sense of what's important and what isn't important. So his immediate family, his wife, his children, and his dogs are very important to him. And then talking about, when he talked about security, he wanted to make sure that he could have security to to provide for his family. And it was a shocker to him that he would no longer get security because he was born a royal. So there was a lot of a royal, but born a royal who served in the military, who in wars, who mm-hmm. I, I feel like, you know, 
I mean, listen, I only, I just have a master's in global affairs. So I don't know enough, and I obviously don't work in that field, but okay. just from what I can recall, like if you've served in the military and you're of high rank in a family or in a society, there is a bounty on your head and he is sure. worth a lot and he needs security. Like that's just, that is the reality. And, you know, security like that costs a lot of money, but they seem, they seemed really strong with each other. I love that. I know for some people, especially on Royal TikTok, like I'll watch like people's take on the, the interview on TikTok, you know, for some people it's like, oh, she's a narcissist because she like, look, look how she talks, look how she talks over him. And I go, she's not, it didn't seem like she was talking over him. She seemed like she was supportive of him. She was, he was finishing her sentences. He was finishing her sentences. Like, there was a lot of inconspicuous playfulness between them, even when they're speaking to Oprah, even when they're being serious, they're still like a cohesive unit. They are. I mean, look at their handhold. That handhold was a little crazy. It was very tight grip. They provide support. They, they ground each other. They help calm each other. But then you'll also notice, and it went both ways here, when she was saying something and he was going to start, she just leaned over to touch him. As if to say, you know, I got this. And he did the same in reverse. There was one time he was talking, she was going to say something and he reached out and he touched her to say, I got this, honey. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It it just, yeah. I I thought, I thought that was wonderful because it just seemed like, oh yeah, they're on the same page here. But it's also acknowledgement. So what's really nice about when they reached out and touched each other, it's like, I hear you. I'm listening to what you're saying. I'm acknowledging you. I still want to say what I want to say to Oprah. And again, it went both ways. How do you, do you see this with, I'm not, I'm not trying to compare. I'm saying this in, in, in like a different manner, but like, mm-hmm. do you, how do you feel about, um, I don't know if we get this many opportunities, but like with, so with Will mm-hmm. and Kate, do you see this sort of cohesiveness? They're more formal and you hit the nail right on the head when you said there haven't been a lot of opportunities. They haven't given public appearances or interviews when they're talking. What I meant by opportunities is like, I have, listen, I follow this blog called whatkatewar.com. I have visited every single day for the last six years. Okay. I'm obsessed with this blog. I love it. And I mean, gosh, anyway, and whatkatewar.com, everybody. Okay. And while they are obviously out in public events, I have never seen them after their engagement interview. I've never seen them give, oh wait, in this other interview that they gave for Radio One where they talk about mm-hmm. their kid watching Peppa Pig or something. There's not a lot of opportunities to see them like informally together. Right. There's not. So, yeah. so it's, it's really hard to to talk about the two and how they demonstrate affection. I've even talked about this in different um, magazines is how they demonstrate affection in public could be very different than how they show it in private. They're more formal in their PDA. Harry and Megan have never been that way, in my opinion. But that doesn't mean that Kate and William don't have a strong relationship or they don't love each other. It's just that we don't know what happens behind closed doors for any couple. We we don't. I did love when they did that interview, which you could see the video on YouTube on Radio One. Um, they were there promoting their, I think it, they were promoting Head Start, like their nonprofit. Mm. They were super playful and like laughing with each other. And I, I watched that video like 10 times. I shit you not. Cause I was like, I need more of this. Give me more of this. Because it's like, you see these two characters on TV and the magazines all the time, but you don't know anything about them. Right. You just know the narrative behind it. 
Mm-hmm. And it was like, it was so fun to see the body language between the two where she kind of like, she pushes them away. She, they come close together. I was like, oh, yeah. okay. Hello, couple. Hi. How are you? That is nice to see. You know, I wish we had more of these opportunities to, mm-hmm. to make, make them more human, which I know people don't want. Right. Cause I think, I think seeing Harry and Megan be human and have mm-hmm. feelings just like Princess Diana, I think it might hurt. I think not for me, mm. I think the monarchy feels like it hurts itself to look more human instead of the crown. And that fits though, right? Because it is very formal. There are rules and traditions and even in, even in informal family settings, the curtsy right. to the queen who's grandmother. So yeah, that right. makes sense what you're saying. That completely. blew my mind. I think about that every day since that interview that, that you curtsy to your grandma. Like that's like, what? have right. you met my grandma? Like, what? <laughs> um, and then in America, like, I feel like with American couples, like I have, I don't know if you've been following like the JLo, A-Rod, J-Rod drama. I've heard a little bit of it that they broke up, but they weren't really broken up. And that's, that's the, that's the extent of my knowledge. I was really interested in so my son is really obsessed with Super Bowl performances. I know he's three, mm-hmm. but um it's just his thing. Like and it's great for us because you know in Super Bowl performances no one's cursing. Um <laughs> although you know last year's Shakira J Lo, you know, hi Yanni, this is the female form. <laughs> <laughs> I mean I'm telling you I have seen Beyonce Super Bowl performance at least a hundred times at this point. He also likes to watch Countdown. I mean Countdown. He likes to watch um Homecoming. Anyway, so one time I watched, I've watched the Super Bowl performance with JLo and Shakira uh, at this point, at least 50 times because it's played at least once a day this last year in our house. <laughs> and I'm not even kidding. Anyway, and there was one time we found a video where it shows you what it was like backstage and how she's walking backstage and how she's saying, you know, thank you, whatever. And I'm making note of it like, okay, you know, he looks like a supportive boyfriend and she's the boss lady. And that's great because she just performed. She's on a high, I get it. Sure. Similar to after the inauguration, when she's saying same thing, supportive boyfriend, the supportive fiance in the back clapping, she's on her high, whatever. And then you hear, then you read some of the gossip, especially on, you know, some Instagram accounts that post it. And you're just kind of like, okay, like, what is this couple like? Like, I, you know, I start to look for it a little bit too, as a, you know, as a professional in the dating industry, like, what is this couple about? What are they really like? How supportive are they? And, you know, you run into other photos where it's like, oh, they like, they have this one photo where, you know, she's with her kids and he's with his kids in the same bed, like all cuddling together. And I'm just like, is this for you or is this for the magazine? Like, it's just, I felt, Mm. I feel very confused by that relationship. Yeah. With the last example you gave, most people don't, everyone doesn't jump into the bed for a shot, you know, photo moment than to post. If somebody does that, it's really for personal memories. Right. It's not to be printed in People magazine or wherever got printed. I guess right now I'm just kind of working out that relationship by saying it to you. (laughs) I think the one thing that frustrates me, sometimes I see stuff like, oh, relationship goals. And I don't think of J-Lo and A-Rod as relationship goals. I think of J-Lo as like fucking performance goals and Mm. amazing. same for him. You know, they're both successful at whatever they do. But, you know, I think, I guess I should ask this to Dr. Terry one day, but they postponed their wedding Mm -hmm. due to the pandemic. They've both been married before. Who were they going to invite to their wedding? They could have just had the wedding with their close, close family. 
The friends can see it on People Magazine like the rest of us, <laughs> you know, and you can always get married and then have that massive celebration post-COVID in 2023 or whatever That's you want right. to do, 2022, whatever. I, it just, it's like, I feel like that kind of rocks a little bit too. Yeah, sure. You're absolutely right. They could have a, a private ceremony and then have a big celebration later on when it's safe for everybody to come. So it shouldn't stop a nuptial. And it does give people pause. I believe she's been married multiple times and he's been married at least once or twice. So it's not the first match marriage for each of them. And when you start combining forces that way and really think of till death do you part, that's a very huge decision. And it doesn't help that there has been some rumblings right, of, of A-Rod with another woman. Don't know if that's true or not. However, that can't help. So when you hear this and then you, they break up, but they're really not broken up and they're like, oh, that starts making sense. Maybe this was the reason why they postponed the wedding. So people, what people do is that they have all these puzzle pieces of information and people are trying to fit the puzzle pieces to make a picture because that's just how our mind works. Our mind wants to make sense of our world. I guess the reason why I try to work this out is because I really love JLo. I've always liked her. She's, a, mm-hmm. um, she's an awesome performer. I, I, she's a great performer. And I just, I guess I just want her to be happy. And I'm like, well, are you happy with this guy? Like what's going on? Mm-hmm. You know? And uh, I don't know. She just, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see how it evolves. It will be interesting to see how it evolves. Um, Bianca, one last thing. We didn't talk about it, but I know you help people with work and body language. I do. Could you tell my listeners a little bit more about that? Yes. Yeah, so one big project that I have right now, and I help a lot of business professionals, are people who are scared to get in front of a camera because they don't want to look stupid. They don't want to sound stupid. They're not sure what to say. And because I've been on TV for the past eight years, and I've been on a lot of different TV shows, as you mentioned, and I am on weekly for CBS Affiliate, I know all the, the inside scoop. I know pretty much anything that has, can happen on air has happened to me on air, but it's how to get over that fear. So from, so from a little girl who was abused and it was always safer to be in the shadows than in the limelight for me to finally say, okay, I'm just gonna jump into this. There's no way I could be where I am today if I didn't get into the spotlight. And it's very important if you have a message, you give a company services, products to promote that you get in front of a camera. Our world has changed, right? With all with the pandemic and social distancing, a lot of people are getting into virtual platforms. So how can you best present yourself? How to get rid of that fear? And that's what I help. I help business people with to be calm, confident, and charismatic on camera. That's awesome. And where can people find more information about you and your services? Yep. Go to my website, BlancaCobb.com, or you can email me directly, Blanca at BlancaCobb.com. And then I also have an ebook that I recently released and it's Emotions Behind the Mask. So now that you don't have a lot of the face and you can only look and see what's happening above that mask, which leaves eyes, eyebrows, and forehead, what information can you gain by movement in that area? And there's a oh, lot wow. that you can't understand and pairing it with body language. So it's a very quick read. It's emotionsbehindthemask.com. Again, emotionsbehindthemask.com. I even have a little cheat sheet at the end that is an easy, quick reference. So That's it really great. helps you read people's facial expressions, even when it's covered behind a mask. I will definitely include both Blanca Cobb and emotionsbehindthemask.com on on the episode show notes. So if you're interested in checking out Blanca, definitely go there. And of course you can also follow Blanca on 
Twitter, Instagram, and Clubhouse. I believe she is, correct me if I'm wrong, at Blanca Cobb, right? That's correct. At Blanca I'll make Cobb. Sure, yeah, I'll make sure those links are in the episode notes. So if you want to follow Blanca, and you should, she's great. And if you don't follow her, you'll see her on TV, I promise. She's always on TV. <laughs> Thank you so much, Blanca, for coming to Ask a Matchmaker. It was my pleasure. It's my honor to be here. And if anybody has any questions, they can reach out to me. Excellent. And thank you for listening to Ask a Matchmaker each week. I feel so grateful to receive your questions and provide answers. If you enjoyed today's episode and want to listen to more episodes, you can follow Ask a Matchmaker on your favorite podcast listening device. You'll get great dating and relationship content dropped into your podcast app each Wednesday. Don't forget to rate and review. Do you have a dating or relationship question? You can visit askamatchmaker.com to submit a 60 second audio question. You can also follow me on Instagram at matchmakermaria for more dating and relationship tips. Until then, be lovable and more importantly, be likable. See you next week.